Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. I don't know if uh, you're like me or not, but I uh, sometimes have an ache in my heart. Sometimes, there have been times in recent weeks where in here, I feel like something's not quite where it needs to be. I feel like there's something missing. I mean, I, I know that, that I, I, I'm living uh, for Jesus. I know I, I'm, I'm trying to live the life that he wants me to live. I'm, I'm trying to carry out some things, but yet at the same time, there's still something here that's not quite right. I, I feel like, like, like some capacity, I, I'm living below what Jesus would want. Anybody with me in that? Some of my living is dead, yet I'm supposed to be alive in Christ. Anybody ever been there? And so, so here's what I think. Everything seems too normal. Too average. Too lifeless. Anybody ever feel that way? I, little did I know that this week, I, I, I've been planning to, to, to speak along these lines for several weeks now. Little did I know the, the week I would start a series called Out of the Ground and that every title there under would, would have the word resurrected attached to it, that by Wednesday I would be contending with death five different times. Dealing with a, help us consider the, the ideas of where their marriage is and possibly the death that's coming to that. I had no, had no idea. And so I know in a lot of ways, many of us feel like we're not living, like life isn't what it's supposed to be. We've made confessions of faith, we have given in the offering, we have, we have shown up to services, we have given in children's ministry, we have tried to do things the way we think God would want us to do them, and yet somehow something seems like it's not right. Anybody with me? This week, maybe? Maybe? I wonder, it seems like, like, like things are just buried somewhere. The things that make life life are just buried, like hope, like joy, like peace, like, 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 like love or, or power or strength. They seem like they are long gone buried friends. Am I, are you with me? Life seems subterranean, like it's six feet under. We feel as though if part, uh, parts of our lives lack that pop, right? Are you guys with me on that? Like, like something like, I, I just, I, I just, I, 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 is this, something's missing that says this is really living. Anybody there? We're stuck in some status quo, right? Every, everything is too normal. Everything is too average. And for some of us, everything seems too devastated that real life could ever, ever happen again. Well, listen to me. We can ask questions like, where's the abundant life Jesus promised? It's okay to ask that question. We, 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 we can ask the question like, where is that thing that caused those disciples so long ago to give their all? Where, 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 where is that? I, I, I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't sense it. It's okay to say, where is that extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary? Where is it? Where is it? 
Let me say something to you. The dirt of normal living will keep you from the resurrected living that God is giving. The dirt of normal living will keep you from the resurrected living that God is giving. It will. Jesus tells us some things in John 5. We'll read verse 24 to 30, and let's, let's kind of run through there together. These words, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in Himself, and He has granted the same life, giving power to His Son. He has given Him authority to judge everyone because He is the Son of Man. First of all, I want to say something really quick off the top of my head. Here's, here's something. Two things that aren't very popular in our culture right now, Jesus talks about right here in this piece of Scripture. He talks about truth, and He talks about judgment. Whoopee! He talks about those things. There is such a thing as truth, and there is such a thing as judgment. Don't, miss, don't, don't, be, don't be led astray that there isn't, because there are, both those things. Don't be surprised, he says, verse 28, indeed the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of the Son of, of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Jesus says these words, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. So here's some things. If, if, if the dirt of normal living will keep us from the resurrected living God's giving, what are some things we need to know out of that? Number one, hearing and believing truth are access points to this life. Jesus begins this discourse by saying this, I tell you the truth. There is such a thing. And it's not my truth, and it's not your truth, it's truth, or it's not truth at all. Our culture would make you think you can have a truth, and you can have a truth, and they can be different truths, but they're still true. No, if it's not true for everyone, it's not true. Now, perceptions can be altered, I'll give you that, but there's truth. Let me give you an example. The truth is, gravity navigates and holds things together on this planet. Now, you can choose not to believe in gravity. That does not change the belief that gravity is there and gravity is real. And if you do not honor and respect truth, inevitably, that brings harm. I dare one of you to step up and go, you know, I really don't believe in gravity, and walk to the apex of this building right here and try to walk off and see what happens. Just because you don't believe that it exists doesn't mean that, that, that it doesn't have ramifications in your life. And if you choose not to honor truth and respect truth, it will bring damage. And if you let it go far enough, it will bring death. There is truth. And if you walk in the resurrected living that God is giving, the access point to that is to hear and respond to truth. Jesus said those words, I did not. Well, I did, but I was quoting him. And, and so we, we've got to be really... And he, there's a truth he talks about in there. He talks about death or dead things. Now, for some of us, the idea of that... No, we don't want to talk about that. Don't want to talk about death. Don't want to talk about those kinds of issues. Don't want to, don't want to respond. You know, just don't want to think about it. But death is a part of existence. Let me re re read you something. Bind's Bible Dictionary translates or de defines this word Jesus uses as death as this. 
It's the opposite of life. It notes these words. It never denotes non-existence. It never denotes non-existence. In other words, you exist in some capacity. The, qu- the question is the quality of the existence that you're living. You get that? Okay? Spiritual life is conscious existence in communion with God. Therefore, spiritual death is conscious existence separation and separation from God. Truth is, you can keep living, breathing, doing whatever it is you do on a normal daily basis and still not be alive if you're separated from God. You can go through all the ramifications of life. You can eat, you can sleep, you can breathe. You can excrete. All that stuff can go on. Right? But that does not mean you're living. You can go through all this, the, the, the spiritual gyrations of ceremony and ritual and, and look like things are going good and you're living the life God wants you to live and still just be in an existence, not really be alive. And, and, and so there's some other things here. Death is always, 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 that's a, that's a truth, okay? It's legitimate. It's stable. It's true. Death is always in Scripture viewed as the penal consequence of sin. That's not a very popular word either. Is it? So I've hit three of them. I'm, I'm batting three for three. Uh, you're going to talk about truth. We don't want to talk about judgment. We don't want to talk about sin. But we have a skewed idea of what sin is even. Because automatically most of you are thinking, well, he's not talking about me. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't chew. I don't go with girls that do. Right? But I will say this. If some part of your life feels dead... Chances are there's something askew and it's not God. Because the, the idea of sin, the word sin means not just to be grotesquely engaged in something that's awful, lewd, and ugly. The, the word sin literally means to miss the mark. That means God has, has aiming for something for your life and you're aiming down here. And when, you, when God's aiming here and you're aiming here, that brings death. That brings discouragement. That brings darkness. And so right away, don't, don't like start elbowing your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. No, I'm probably talking about you. Because we're all, the God, God's got a plan up here that he's, he's aiming for. He saw every one of us before we were formed in our mother's womb. The Bible tells us that. He had a plan. He had a purpose. And many of us are living below the plan and the purpose he saw from the beginning of time. And that means there's death in some area of our life that he's yet to resurrect. We've, let, we've yet to allow him to resurrect. Now, listen to me. Sinners alone are subject to death. Are you catching what I'm saying? If all of you agree with me, like, dude, yeah, there is death. I like you know what that means? Somewhere you're missing the mark. Somewhere I'm missing the mark. Somewhere there's something going on that God's dictated out for my life that I'm missing. That I'm not allowing him to speak into. If I feel like the Dunkin' Donuts dude from the commercial in the 80s, God has a plan for my life that I am not walking in. You guys know what I'm talking about? Time to make the donuts. Time to make the donuts. And he catches himself coming and going at the door. Remember that? If, that, if that's my experience of life, there's something askew there. there. There is something that's not quite right. And so he's asking, it, check this out. It was, the, it was as the bearer of sin that the Lord Jesus submitted thereto to the cross and death. And here's the point. We don't have to live in death. 
Because Jesus bore the penalty of our sin, our separation from God. And if we're living below that, he took that to the cross with him. And he says, listen, come walk with me. Let's do something better. Oh, I like that. Here's another truth for you. The Father and the Son have real life to offer. Not just existence. They have real life to offer. The Father and the Son. The words there in John 4, the Father has life in himself. He has granted that same life-giving power to the Son. Here's something beautiful. John 1, 1 talks about the coming of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. A little bit later in verse 4, it talks about him being, being, being the life that was the light of men. Now here's something I want to read to you. I've got a daughter who loves biology. And it, this idea was running around inside my mind and my heart, and, and, and I said, hey, hey, send me something, lay out some real quick bullet points of how the, the idea of photosynthesis and the life Jesus gives us, how those two collide together. I want to read you some points, okay? If Jesus is the light of our world, he came before anything else. His presence gave life to every other created thing, especially us. We would not live without his presence in our lives. At the very least, we could not be and do, we could not be and do everything we were created to be without him actively involved in our lives. He reveals everything about him uh, with, he reveals everything about the world to us. In the absence of Jesus, truth, understanding, beauty, etc. cannot be realized because it is hidden. Are those words beautiful? However, the moment he enters our world, everything is made visible. The darkness cannot remain where he is in his presence. Light was the first thing God created in the genesis of the universe, and Jesus is our light. Paul says he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything, Colossians 1.15. Life could not have existed if light was not first created. The same is true of us. Before Jesus, the light of life, finds us, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. But in him, we have life. John says that the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Light gives us the ability to live day by day. Man, that's beautiful. And here's my point. If there's some point of darkness, some point of death, some point of bleh in your life, chances are you've not let the Lord Jesus Christ penetrate that arena of your life. Maybe there's an issue that, you're, that, that, that fear is wrapped around and you're, you're not gravitating toward him in that. Maybe there's an issue of, of forgiveness or something in a relationship. You're not letting, and all of a sudden you feel, eh, and there's death and there's darkness. You know why? Because you're not letting his light, the light of his glory into that arena of your life. If you wake up in the morning and it's blah, chances are there's something, there's some place Jesus wants to emanate life into and you're not letting him in that arena. Are you hearing me? Uh, there, 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 there are things there. Listen, because he is before everything, he is before. That word there means not just that he's like a head. It means he's preeminent. He has first place. He is the one kind of, kind of, kind of leading the pack, setting the pace, putting life on the right trajectory. He is before everything and spoke into the darkness that was the beginning of creation. And we move from a state of deathly normal existence into a state of life because he spoke into our darkness. You catch that? Now, Jesus talks about two kinds of death. Okay, he promised, Jesus promised these words in John 5. He promised to get our life up out of the ground. Did you catch that? 
He promised to get our... Verse 25, listen. And I assure you the time is coming, indeed it's here, now. 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 When the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. Let me, let me lower something on you. The Bible does not describe at that moment that all of a sudden, wherever Jesus was, people just popped up out of the grave. But he said, now. So what was he talking about? He wasn't talking about physically dead people. He was talking about spiritually dead people. People who had not let Jesus into certain arenas of their lives. He said, I'm going to speak now. And life's going to happen. Because verse 28, he goes on later and he goes, listen, don't be surprised. The time is coming, now, coming. The time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of the Son of God. Wow. So he, he's, he's not just talking about somebody laying a hand in the cemetery back here. He's talking about somebody who actually is existing right now, living, breathing, but somehow they're not alive. The, words, the word life that Jesus uses here is, is the word zoe, Z-O-E. It, it has the idea which is where we get our word zoo or zoology from, and it means this. Life as a principle. Life in the absolute sense. Life as God has it, that which the Father has in himself, and which he gave to the incarnate Son to have in himself, who becomes the author to all such as trust in him, and who is therefore said to be the life of the believer. This life is not merely a principle of power and mobility. It doesn't, it's not just about you getting up in the morning and moving around. Okay? However, for it has moral associations which are inseparable from it, we would call them things like holiness and righteousness. Now, before you go crazy with me, understand something. Holiness is not about the clothes that you wear. Or whether or not you wear makeup or jewelry. Holiness isn't a matter of what ratings of movies you'll watch or won't watch. Holiness has to do with being set apart for a divine purpose. And when I understand divine purpose, that emanates from the heart. And then I make certain decisions about clothing and movies and different things like that. What I drink, what I don't. Because of that, I'm not trying to get holy by how I look on the outside. I'm coming. Holiness is emanating from the inside of me because Jesus brought life to my heart. And so if, I, if there's another holy thing going on in my life, it's a matter of this thing here, not this stuff out here. And, and the idea of righteousness is me being right with God and being right with others. And so the things that contaminate my heart are the things that bring death, not the things that I wear on my body. Although, they should work in tandem together and complement one another. How's that? They should. And so, so here's the deal. Death and sin, life and holiness are frequently contrasted in the Scripture. And here's what I'd say to you. If life is down here, there's some area of your life that Jesus is trying to work in that you're not letting him in. If there's dirt and decay and corruption at work in and around you, that means there's an arena of life you've not opened the door up yet to. If everything's just normal and everything's just, yeah, and I'm just, yeah, then there's some place somewhere that, and now we go through cycles and seasons, don't get me wrong, everything, we can't be on the mountain. I mean, in fact, here's the deal. You know, nothing grows on a mountain. Nothing. I challenge you to climb the highest peak on the planet, Mount Everest. You know how long things live on the peak of Mount Everest? Seconds. Not minutes, not hours. 
seconds. You know where things grow? Down in the valley, the valley so low. That's where fertile soil is. That's where the, the still waters run deep. That, that's where green grass is found. That's where wildflowers grow. That's where orchards are found. And different things like that. that that's where, and so we, we always want to be up here. here. I'm not talking about being up here emotionally. I'm talking about knowing on the inside, I am absolutely alive. I am carrying out the plans and the purpose God saw me doing from the beginning of time. I am not just paying bills. I am not just just, just going to work. I am not just accumulating stuff. I am not just uh, tending to a garden. I am am walking out the very plan of God to to see the world change, to give himself glory, and to change the hearts and the lives of people for all of eternity. I know where I'm at right now. I'm doing that. And if I'm not, then there's death associated with that because that's holiness. Holiness is being set apart for a divine purpose and emanating out from a heart. Here's the deal. The dirt of normal living will keep you and me from the resurrected living God is giving. Now we can operate in a job and it be absolutely our purpose. And I hope every one of you are operating in such capacity. But here's, my, here's what I know as a pastor over these, these years I've done this. Most people don't say that. They're just trying to get by. They're just trying to pay the bills. They're just trying to, you know, and it's just, it's just almost like CPR. Every, you know, church is like grab the paddles and hit the heart and get it going for just a few more days. And that's not God's intention. He intends for us to live life. So if you're, if, if you're stuck in the dirt and the dust of spending a lot of time on normal, everyday, temporary tasks, you're stuck, the, 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 you're stuck living below the living God's giving. If you're stuck in self-indulgent, self-centered, self-self-self-self-whatever, add the, add the adjective, lustful activity, you're stuck below the life God's giving. If what's normal for society... And the culture around you is normal for you, as is the case for much of Jesus' church. You're living below the living that God's giving. I know, I know these are, listen, Jesus intends to give us resurrection. He intends to give us life. See, once Jesus comes in, things have to be different. The, the, the life he offers can't... Is different. We cannot continue on the same trajectory. Life is inexplicably and inextricably changed because of Jesus. Impossible. Let me give you. He says these words, and they will rise again. Talk about those who come out of the graves. Those who have done good will rise and experience eternal life. Now look at the next words. And those who have continued. Those who've stayed on the same trajectory, even though they heard me speak. Those who who just kept living for the same goals and the same tasks, even if they heard heard me speak life into them. Those those who just kept doing the same old thing over and over and over. Those who continued, even though I spoke to them, even though I, 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 I heard a guy say this morning, I was listening to a podcast, he said, one thing I learned about Jesus, he never made any requests. Jesus always gave commands. You know why he gave commands? Because he's the king. Verse 27 says, God gave him all authority. (laughs) Right? He didn't say, you know, would you please forgive? He didn't say that. He said, forgive, period. He said, give, period. He said, 
Come follow me. He didn't go, Peter, would you please just, would you consider dropping your nets and maybe coming with me on this little journey I'm on? Would you maybe consider this? I, and he said, no, he said, he said, come. He said, come, come, come follow me. And so here's the idea that once Jesus comes in, life has to change. If Jesus really comes in, life has to change. Life cannot stay the same and it be Jesus involved in that. Can't. Impossible. Language must change. Ideas must change. Thoughts must change. Emotions must change. Trajectory must change. Decisions must change. Tasks must change. All of it changes. Now here's the context of John 5. John 5, 1 through 9, you'll find this idea going on. There's this guy, and he is stuck. He is stuck by this place called the Pool of Bethesda. He has been damaged since birth. He is paralyzed. He literally lays in the dirt, in the dust, all day, every day. He has no ability to, he has no hope. He has no ability to have income. He has no ability to make decisions. He has no opportunity. He has no joy. He has no hope. He has no peace. Jesus walks into that mess one day and he says, hey, what, why are you laying here? And his response is basically, I have no hope. I have no man. There's nobody to help me. The idea was at this pool, there, there would, at random times, there would be an angel supposedly come down from heaven, trouble the waters, and the first person into the pool would get healed of whatever malady they had. And what he was saying was, I'm here, but I can't get anywhere. I can't get in the pool first. I'm stuck. And here's the funny part about it. Jesus speaks into that, and guess what happens? Immediately, that dude step, stands up. He did something he had never done before. He stood up. Jesus said, pick up your mat. So he reaches down, puts his mat underneath his hand, and takes off walking. His life was inextricably and inexplicably different. They had seen him day after day sit there in that dirt with no hope, no expectation, nothing going to change, nothing going to be different. And they thought, this dude's always going to be there. It's never going to change. And Jesus said, I'll speak into that one. And maybe you're sitting here right now, and you think, man, life is just stuck. I am just stuck. I am in the dirt. I am never going to change. Nothing's going to be different. My family's going to be the same. My financial situation will be the same. My, my whatever. It's always going to be the same. And Jesus would say, no, it doesn't have to be the same. Listen to my voice. Pick up your mat. Get up out of the dirt. Come out of that thing. Come out of that addiction. Come out of that anger. Come out of that stuff. Come out. Come out of there. And so, so he does. And here's the funny part about it. It's so inexplicable, people start asking questions. Now, here's something else to keep you in the dirt. Religion will keep you in the dirt. Because there's a really smart guy show up, and they're like, what are you, what are you doing? He's like, man, I was sitting by the pool. Jesus showed up. He told me to pick up my mat, so I did. And they went, dude, it's the Sabbath. What are you doing carrying a mat on the Sabbath? You would have thought they could have rejoiced with the dude for just a minute. I mean, they've seen him laying there. They had to get really anxious. And see, we do that sometimes. God's doing a work in somebody's life or something, and then we go, yeah, but they still, they're still whatever they're doing. They come out of a piece of the dirt, yet there's some still attached to them, and we might even want to jump on that they didn't follow that part. Yeah, I know she gave her heart to Christ, but you see how she's still dressing? I'm not even sure that's real. You know? 
I mean, I know like a few months ago, you know, they gave their heart to Christ. But I saw them at the restaurant. They were still smoking on a cigarette. And then you know, all of a sudden you're mad at them. You know that word I heard them say here? They got mad, slammed their finger with a hammer, and they said this word I would never say. The dirt of religious living will keep you below the, the life God is giving too. You know what I mean? The Bible says he changed us from glory to glory, that we're not a finished product. The Bible tells us that it's a step at a time, a day at a time, that God's working on us. If we're working with him, he's working on us. And we haven't got to get it perfect because Jesus was the only one that was perfect. I heard somebody tell me the other day, they said, I got, I got past being perfect. I'm a perfectionist by heart. They said, I realized Jesus was perfect for me, so I just worry about walking in holiness. That's what they said. I was like, dude, that's beautiful. That's beautiful, right? I mean, I mean that, 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 that's the whole point. And so, so Romans 6.1 tells us that, that life has to change if grace is a part of it. Listen to these words. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? In Romans 5, God would say this. Where, where sin does abound, there does grace much more abound. And for some of us, that would be a license. Okay, God, man, if there's going to be grace, I'm going to just have that party hardy. God's going to cover me. Woohoo! You know, right? No, no. Grace is not the license to sin. Grace is the empowerment to live the way God calls you to live. He says, he says, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been reunited with him in death, we also will be raised to life as he was. Grace is the incentive to live differently, not license to keep going. Grace is the incentive. He says we live new lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that if a man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. There should be a trajectory change the second we realize Jesus speaking to an area of our lives. So, in New Testament terms, we call that repentance. So I've hit, I've hit like the big four. I just hit a home run. I've talked about truth. I've talked about sin. I've talked about judgment. Now I've talked about repentance. Woo, I'm not a very popular guy in modern circles. Because it requires that. There's got to be a turn somewhere. If there's a death area of your life, that signifies something needs to turn. Something needs to change. My heart needs to change. My thinking needs to change. My schedule needs to change. My tasks need to change. Something, my everyday activities need to change. Something needs to change. And we call that idea repentance. That I don't keep going the way I was going. I turn from where I was going and go a different way. And here's the thing. We think of repentance as an event. But it's not an event. Repentance is a lifestyle. You see, what I know about me and what I think I know about you is this. There's a part of me that still wants its way. There's a part of me that still wants to do what I want to do. There's still a part of me that wants its fun stuff. There's a part of me that still wants to accumulate things. There's still a part of me that wants to be known for things and people to like me and everything. And sometimes when God calls me to do something, these two things collide. And repentance is I turn away from what I want and I turn towards what he wants. And so I, I know that. See, life, life is really found in this, finding, following, and fulfilling God's will, not our own. That's where life is. John, John 5.30, I can do nothing on my own. These are the words of Jesus. I judge as God tells me, therefore my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own. 
Jesus is a bearer of life, and the way he dishes out life is he doesn't follow his own agenda. He follows the agenda of the Father. And if he's the one we're following, then the same principle has to be true of us. We can't keep living the way we want to live. We've got to follow the path that Jesus would want us to live. We've got to allow the Word of God to dwell in us richly and dictate to us where, where life is going. We, we need help getting where we need to go. We, 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 need, we need to submit, which is not a, that's another word we don't, we don't like very well these days. I just came out of my, I thought, man, we don't submit to Jesus. We don't submit to his word sometimes. We don't submit to his delegated authority in our lives. When, they, when, when the things are asked of us, we just want to kick and scream and act like we're like six years old and get our way at the Walmart. I want that. I want it to be this way. We get angry. Here's the thing. Every time you throw a tantrum, about how life is going, guess just what? You're breathing death into your life. Every time. Every time. Every time you look at, a, 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 at the Word of God and it tells you to do something and you kick and you buck, death is coming. Every time teenagers are in here today because Greg's sick and it's the first Sunday of the month, listen to me, every time God has put godly parents in your life and they, they're just trying to work for your good and you kick and buck, guess what's happening? You're breathing death into your life. Every time, every time church people, your group leader or, 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 or ministry person is trying to hold you accountable for something and you kick and buck, guess what you're doing? You're, 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 you're breathing death into your life. Not because we've got it perfect, but because we're trying to sort out and seek out the heart of God just like you are. And for some reason, God chose us to help you figure that out. And some days I wonder why. You know why I wonder why? Because some days I'm just as confused as you are. Sometimes I have to take this walk of faith and I think, ooh, that's like soggy water out there. Jesus, this better be you, really. I'm just, whew. I'm about to tell this, this person, you know, and it was funny, you guys asked me for advice. <laughs> well, Pastor Aaron, I was thinking about, and blah, 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 and what you think about, and I'm going, oh, Jesus, and, and that's when I start really thinking, it's about, okay. Oh, Jesus, I'm about to, they're going to they're gonna make a decision about their life because I'm, I'm about to say something. <laughs> they think I know the answers. Oh, my goodness. And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. But here's the thing I do know. God loves you, and I want to love you like he does. But I'm still imperfect, and I'm going to get it wrong. And that's rough. You know how I know I'm going to get it wrong? <laughs> Don't ask her any questions, please. <laughs> because I get it wrong on a pretty regular basis. Okay? And there are moments where I have to go to her and say, you know, I was really stupid. That was dumb. Would you forgive me? I'm sorry. I've had to do it with my kids. I had to do it with people here at the church staff. And I just, I just am. I just am who I am. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to let Jesus breathe life in area area. But every now and then, that death thing pops up again. You know what I mean? Listen to this, Romans 6, 8. And since we die with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Not exist, live with him. The dirt of normal living will keep you from the resurrected living God's giving. It will. If all your endeavor is to be normal, listen, you're shooting below the mark God has for you. My man Jeff, where's Jeff at? Dude, do you remember this, the scripture reference you sent out today? Do you remember it? Okay, 
My man Jeff sends me some kind of Bible quote every morning. And he didn't know I was going here today, but I'll, you know what, I'll pull it up and read it for you. Can I do that for just a second? Check this out. Check this out. So we're talking about missing the mark, right? That death comes into place where we, where, we, where we miss the mark. Check this out. This is right here. Let me read this to you. Paul, the apostle, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. One thing I do, I forget what is behind and strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal, toward the mark of the prize of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. That is where life is. Not when Jesus aims up here and I aim down here. I press on towards the mark. I forget what's back there. I forget what happened yesterday. I forget. And I look, Jesus, you got a mark up there. i got to chase that one. i got to run after that one. i got, I got to give my life to that one. Not this one I think I can, I, I can attain, but the one you said you want me to attain. I, if, I, if I want to stay normal, then I'm never going to experience your life. I'm going to stay like everybody else. I'm not going to experience your life. I'm going to, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expect it to be different, right? So God, I don't want normal anymore. Normal has got to, normal stinks. Normal is, eh. Normal is just get up, pay the bills, go see the Dunkin' Donuts guy at the, at the door, right? Don't want that. I, I don't want that. I want, to, I want to know that what I'm doing on a daily basis is honoring to God, glorifies his name, and is having an impact somehow, some way on eternity and the life of someone else. And I can do that whether I'm a banker or I can do that whether I'm a teacher. I can do that if I'm a receptionist. I can do it. If I'm walking where Jesus, and I'm listening for his voice and I'm letting him resurrect the dead stuff that's in me, I can be that regardless of what the, 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 the employment opportunity is. I can do that. I can, listen, I can be a husband and a father that's worth something. Because of me, because of him. I can be a, 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 an employee that makes a difference. I can be a, a friend who, who injects life into the life of another person. I can be that. I can be that counselor. I can be that advisor. I can be that prayer warrior. I can be that because it's not just, I'm not just living my life. I'm living life for him. It is no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. So, how do we get, how do we get to this resurrected living thing, huh? How do we get there? Oh, wrong one. Aren't you glad I don't have papers to flip? Because this would take all day. How do I get there? The door of normal living will keep me from the resurrected living God's given. Look at verse 27. We have to make judgments first and foremost, about ourselves. Verse 27 says, And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. If I want to walk into living, God, I have to make a judgment about how God sees my life. i got to look at the area where death lives, and i got to say, Jesus, what do you want to speak into that? And for some of us today, the idea might be this, Jesus, show me the dead area. Show, show it to me. I, I don't see it right now. I, don't, I know there's death creeping in. I don't know where it's coming from. I know you guys have been sick and, not, and, and know, like knowing something's just not quite right but can't put your finger on it, like there's just something wrong in there. I don't know. I need help figuring it out until you go see a doctor, right? And, and you go figure it out. And so some of you are saying, I know there's death here somewhere, but I don't know where it's, I don't know, I don't know where it's emanating from. Micah 6, 8, I call them the big three things. God says, what does he require of us? He says, there's, there's three things there, Micah 6, 8. Do justly, Love mercy, walk humbly. Now, those three things are inextricably attached to one another. 
To do justly means to, 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 to judge God's heart, God's character, God's mind in a particular situation and then do what he said to do. Okay? And what God always loves to do is to diss out mercy. But in order for me to do that, I have to walk humbly. Because in certain things, I deserve better than what somebody's given me. So they deserve less than what I want to give them. And so I get to do justly. And here's, what, here's the thing. Judgment almost always has more to do with the will and the heart of God than it does to do with the sinfulness of man. You get what I'm saying? Judgment almost always has more to do with the heart and the will of God than it does to do with the ugliness and sinfulness of men. Because God's always making judgment calls in our lives. And nine times out of ten, he's not giving us what we deserve. Am I right? And, and the Holy Spirit is, 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 is coming in and he's convicting us at times. And, he's, he's, and, and rarely is it like, bam, you better get this right. Bam, you better get this right. He, 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 when was the last time God beat on you? Anybody? I mean, just absolutely went hog wild crazy, beat the tar out of you. Anybody got a, got a testimony like that? So God's always making a judgment where we are. And he's helping us see clearly where we are. But he's rarely, rarely is he just trying to beat the, the stuff out of us. Rarely. And so for us, it's this. We've got to see where we are. Sinfulness has to do with legalities, but God's called us to consider other things like mercy and humility, right? And so we need to see, we need to look at our lives, the way he's looking at it. We need to look at the people around us as if they're one thing. He has lost kids trying to find their way. Some of, us, some of them are found kids who got lost in Walmart. Huh? You know what I mean? They're not really lost. They really have parents, and they're not orphans, but they're just kind of wandering around trying to figure out, where, <gasps> I know we were heading somewhere, Jesus, but I got, I, got, I got stuck at the candy rack. I don't know what happened. You kept walking, and I got lost. I don't, I don't know what went on. And, and so a lot, of, a lot of the people we're dealing with whose, whose life are living below the mark have just got stuck, just got, got sidetracked. Just got, just got, whoop. And our heart for them should not be to make sure they know how bad they miss it. It should be like, listen, man, God's got better for you. How can I help you get where you're supposed to go? See, God says, Jesus says, I have to get all three. Therefore, go and make disciples. I need to help you learn how to live better. How can I do that? I need to learn to help you live according to his dictates and his heart and his plan and his will and his words. How can I help you do that? I don't want to smash you to pieces. I want to help you walk this thing out. How can I do that? Sometimes I'll shut the door in your face. But you guys see it that way. So let me ask you a question. Where are you? Where are you? Are you stuck by the pool? In the dirt? Without hope? Immobilized? Without, without a chance? Nobody to help you? Are, are, are you there? Because if you're there, Jesus will say these words to you. I'm here. Time to pick up the mat and keep walking. I know life's dealt some harsh and ugly things at you. I, I know things have not panned out the way you wanted them to. I know you had dreams and ambitions, and right now they're in the dirt, and they're in the dust, and you just think, dude, I just can't go on. I can't take one more step. I can't make it. Listen, Jesus is the one who speaks life into that. You, man, some of you might be stuck in some religious trap that keeps propagating death. Might be. You wonder why your grandkids won't come around. Wonder why the neighbors trying to skirt around because every time they turn around, you're trying to tell them how bad they are. Rather than telling them, listen, I know you're missing the mark. I know life's not what it's supposed to be, but I want to help you walk it out. And so God will tell you, pick up the mat, get out of the dirt. 
Start making judgments according to my heart and my will, not just according to what you think, how things ought to be done. Because my heart is not for people to stay in the dirt. My heart is to get them off of, off of it. I know, that, I know they got issues. I know they got problems. I know that. I, you got them too. Get up. Get out of that. You stuck in some death existence? Just making the donuts? I don't know. The way to get up is to listen to the voice of Jesus. And he says, come to me if you're weary, if you're burdened, and I'll show you how to live. That's what he says. I'll teach you how to live. I'll walk alongside of you. What turnaround do you need to make? What, what, what point of repentance? If, if life is dead in the area, there's going to be a turnaround somewhere. There's going to be some place where it pivots and it, 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 something's different, right? So where is it? Where, where, where is that place where you're paralyzed or, or even dead? What, 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 what part of it? Here's, here's part of it. Some reasons you're dead is because you will not, you have not, and you ha, you've, you've determined not to submit to the will of God in, on a thing. You just determined, I'm not doing it that way. I'm just not. I'm just not. And every time you say that, death just creeps in the door. It's like gangrene. It starts in a small area, and it just keeps. And eventually, it will encompass your whole life. It'll take every part of your heart. It will, unless that thing is cut off, it, 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 will, it will consume the whole thing. I'm going to ask Patrick and the worship team to come back up, and we're going to sing a song here in a minute, but I want to read to you how to get back onto a track of lifeless, life, life, life after you know you've been in a state of death. There's this guy named David in the Bible, and he makes some decisions that bring death. He makes some decisions that end up killing one of his friends. He makes some decisions that end up seeing to it that a, a, a child of his is stillborn and, and dies. He, he makes some decisions that, uh, that, that change the composite of his, of his family and even, even cause, he sows some seeds that cause a, a, a son of his to rebel and betray and try and take his kingdom from him. And it stems to, to one thing where he knew better. He understood where God's mark was and he chased after something else anyway because he wanted it. And in the middle of sorting that out and realizing death had come to his life, he makes some petitions to the Lord. So what I want you to do right now, I want you to close your eyes. I'm just going to read to you. And I want you to think about the area of life that you're stuck in, where there's death, where there's decay, where there's decomposition, where there's frustration, where there's just blah, whatever, whatever it is. And I want you to think about bringing that area of your life to God. David writes these words, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins, my missing the mark. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned, have I missed the mark. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. There's always a but in the middle of that sinful situation. But you desire honesty from the womb. 
teaching me wisdom even there. Purify, purify me from my sins and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. Inject life back into my existence. That's what David's asking for. Bring back joy again. Bring back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Let life come back. Don't keep me looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Help me to aim for what you're aiming at. That's what that's saying. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I'll treat your ways to rebels and they'll return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I'll joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You did not desire sacrifice or just religious rote ceremony, or I'd offer one. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and, and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you'll be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit. With burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. We're going to sing this song. This everything and nothing less. And I would encourage you at that moment to respond to the heart of God in whatever area of death you may have. If you need to come spend time at the altar here, if you need to turn towards someone and have them pray with you, if you need to actually go to someone and say, man, I'm sorry, I, I need forgiveness. If you need somebody to say, listen, there's this death area. I want you to pray for me. I, I'm, 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 I'm captivated by it. I'm stuck in it. I, I can't get up. Listen, Jesus wants to inject life right now. And it comes when we get real gut level honest with him and go, listen, God, my, I'm, the reason there's death is not because of you, it's because of me. Not, not because I, you've screwed up, because I have. Because I have not seen things the way you see them. I've not acted the way you want me to act. I've not responded the way you want me to respond. You've given me something to do, and I've just, I've just kicked and bucked, and I've just said, no, I'm not doing it, and I'm just going to do my thing and get out of my face. And, and at that moment, then he responds of confession and brokenheartedness. So we're going to sing this song, and, and now's your chance to respond to Jesus. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.